Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Hello and welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast on this incredibly hot day here in the UK in June. And today I'm answering a question which is at the forefront of newbies into private practice mind. And I think it's a really important question for all of us actually to reflect upon, especially those of us that have been in private practice for a while now and might find ourselves in the position of giving advice to people who are new into private practice. And that question is, is it harder to be in private practice in 2023 than it was in 2018? And this is a really important question because I do see in our big professional groups that we're in and also just in my social life and people are chatting to people that might be starting out in private practice. A lot of the advice that's given does seem to be reflective of the time that many of us started our businesses, which makes sense, right? Because the way that we learned to get our first clients and to market ourselves is based on that experience. And that's what we want to pass on and we're trying to be helpful to people. But, you know, often for people who are starting out now, Either they don't trust that advice because they've noticed that the economy has changed, that the industry around mental health and well-being has changed, um, or they do trust the advice and they try and follow it and find that things don't quite work out in the way that they were hoping. So I thought what would be useful today is to think about what has changed in the economy, what has changed in the well-being industry. Um, And then to think about what that might mean for us in terms of practical marketing strategies. And I'll share with you some of the practical changes that I've noticed to what works in, in marketing from my experiments and also from restarting my own practice back in September after a hiatus. So I've got a few tips to share with you. So don't worry if you're just starting out or if you're experiencing a bit of a dip in referrals at the moment and think you might need to reinvigorate your strategy for getting new clients through the door, this will be a helpful episode for you. And if you're like me and you've been established in private practice for a while, then I think this will still be a pretty interesting episode that might help you reflect on the journey you've been on in the past few years too. Uh, Before we get started though, I do just want to point out that we are hosting our Race in Therapy workshop in July. Um, And when you're listening to this episode, you'll only have another week or so, I think, in order to get signed up for that. So please do, if you're interested in learning how to better support our clients of colour and to make sure that our practices are really part of the change that needs to happen in racial inequalities in mental health care in the UK, then make sure you grab one of the 10 spaces on that workshop. The link is in the show notes. Anyway, onwards with what we're talking about today. So let's think about how the economy and the industry have changed. Let's be real about it. So let's look at the overall economic picture. We're all alive in the world today. And even if you're one of our international listeners, I think this applies pretty much everywhere. We have less money in our pockets. We earn pretty much the same as what we used to earn and everything costs more. 
That's just a fact. You don't need to do any complicated statistical analysis to know that people will have to be more careful with their money. However, as we discussed in the private podcast that we ran in January, which was all about recession psychology and marketing during economic downturns, actually, the people that work with us in private practice are in a group that is pretty well protected from economic strife. That is not to say that they won't be more careful with their spending, and it is not to say that they won't suffer in lots of ways, but they are people who are very unlikely to have lost their jobs recently. They're people who whose incomes probably didn't suffer very much during the pandemic. So during that time, they may have been able to save some money. Um, And they're people who generally tend to ride out economic waves pretty successfully. Therefore, the way that we can view it is that the money is probably still there to pay for our services but clients are going to need more reassurance before they're willing to part with that money because they are going to be more careful about where they're allocating their funds and they need to be more sure that they're going to get value for money. So there's a lot we can do about that, which we'll talk about later, but that's kind of where we're at in terms of what's likely to happen because of the economic pressure. Um, And I can link you to that podcast I did back in January. That link will be in the show notes because there's lots and lots of research evidence backing that up. So do go and have a look at that, especially if you're a geek like me and you want to look at some studies. Something else has happened in the industry though, and I'm pretty sure that you will have noticed it. And that is in independent practice, we are starting to suffer from competition from big companies and insurance companies employing their own people it's it's really interesting. I won't name the company I'm thinking of, but they have a lot of adverts on a lot of popular popular podcasts. They have adverts on TV. They have adverts pretty much everywhere you could stick an advert advertising therapy and counseling services at very low cost with pretty much no boundaries and a very different user experience to the one that you would get working with an independent practitioner. And this is this is a bad thing, I think, for our industry, because, well, the reason I'm concerned about it, and I think I may have ranted about this before, <laughs> I certainly did when I was a guest on, on another podcast. Um, I think this is bad for our industry because I think they are selling people the idea that therapy on your terms that could just be a text message when you feel like it rather than committing to a longer term program can be just as effective as the therapy that you might get from an evidence-based practitioner like me or you. And that is just unlikely to be true. Um, At best, it's untested. And at worst, it kind of flies in the face of a lot of what we know. So for example, with some of these uh, sites and applications, you would get different therapists responding at different times. So you wouldn't develop a therapeutic relationship. Uh, Not always, people can choose to have the same therapist over and over again, uh, but they don't have to do that, Um, which is very interesting given that the evidence base 
very strongly suggests that the therapeutic relationship is the key ingredient in the efficacy of, of all therapies. Um, so that's disappointing to see. Um, but also this idea that boundaries are not important in therapy and that it's in some way beneficial for you to be able to text your therapist at three o'clock in the morning rather than waiting for your next session. And I'm not saying that there isn't a space for that kind of crisis um, rapid response. You know, when I was in the NHS, I, I really wished that we were able to provide that for some of our clients. But that's what worries me. How can this company that is offering three o'clock in the morning text responses deal with the crisis situations that are likely to come up at three o'clock in the morning. I just see that as a massive risk red flag. I would not, as a professional, be involved in any of those companies. Um, I'd love to know if you've got a different view, by the way. Um, but anyway, they really concern me. And I think this is bad for our industry on the whole because it's going to leave a lot of people trying out those services and then thinking that therapy didn't work for them because they tried it out but nobody explained to them that the key active ingredients of therapy mean that you do need to commit and you need to implement stuff in between sessions and that you need to develop a relationship with your therapist because they were just given what they thought they wanted um, rather than anything evidence-based or, or just clinically based. I worry that lots of people will start to believe that therapy doesn't work. Um, because of that so that's bad it's also bad because they pay their professionals really badly and it sets up an expectation that you know it's perfectly fine to pay a clinical psychologist 30 pounds an hour for example and that devalues our professions um, it sets that uh, price in in the in the mind of the public that that's what we're worth um, and also it creates a lot of burnt out <laughs> Uh, professionals working sub-optimally because they're not being paid well enough to sustain themselves. Uh, so overall, and, I, and there are other concerns too that I won't go into, but in terms of the impact on our businesses, those are the negatives, I think. That there, there is a lower cost option available to people which is being marketed really heavily, really effectively. They've got a lot of influencers on board and it is true that some of our clients are going to choose those options. And there are also, as I touched on, uh, insurance companies bringing their services in-house and often employing people who might be you know, less qualified to provide services. And that, that's just taken a chunk of the people that we might have seen in private practice uh, out of the private practice market. So that sounds pretty negative, doesn't it? <laughs> um, but there's a lot we can do to offset that. And I think if your head's in the right place, it doesn't need to be negative at all. But we'll come on to the practical stuff in a minute. Let's continue with our wider context. So I also think it is a bit harder to stand out on directory sites and on Google because there are more private practitioners than there were before, which I actually think is a good thing. I don't think it's bad that people have got choice because that therapeutic relationship is so important. I think it's pretty brilliant actually that somebody in my local area that wants to see a clinical psychologist can choose between me 
and you know tens of other people with the same qualification as me because you know they will work better with one of us than they would with another one so I don't think it's a bad thing but it is true it's a little bit harder to, to stand out but on the point of Google a positive thing is that SEO is much technically easier than it used to be. And for anyone that doesn't know what I mean by SEO, that's the technical stuff that you need to do on your website to make sure that Google serves it up to the right people at the right time. And that used to be really quite difficult. In 2018, when I started, you had to learn all of these weird tricks um, to, to get Google to understand what your website was about. And it was quite difficult. But now it's really not difficult. It's using the right headings, putting meta descriptions into your pages, um, nothing that you would find particularly complicated if you watch a few YouTube videos about it. And there are lots of people who really get it and can do it very well who can help you as well. And there wasn't so much of that in 2018 either. So I think that's a real plus point for where we're at at the moment. However, the internet is obviously getting more crowded every year. So it can be a bit tougher to get noticed by search ed engines, especially if what you've got is quite a bland website, which is targeted at a very general audience. Um, but we'll talk more about that as we're creeping into what I think you should do about it. And I'm gonna make sure I keep a lid on that until we get to that part of the podcast. I'd also say social media has become a lot more crowded and a lot more frankly annoying than it was before. And that's true for all small business owners. That's not unique to our industry at all. It is harder to get your cakes noticed than it was before, and it's harder to get your psychoeducation noticed than it was before. The algorithms are not working in our favor, reaches down, and yeah, it's trickier. It's, it's a tricky landscape on social media now. So let's think about the positives then. So on the flip side of all of that negativity, people are so much more educated about the benefits of therapy. And you can see that in the size of the overall mental well-being industry. It is much bigger than it was in 2018. The, the global health and wellness market is consistently growing. And this can be seen in the UK and in other economies across the world. So there is good reason to believe that people are actually spending more of their proportional income on mental wellbeing than they ever have done before. So we really should all be able to flourish in this expanding marketplace. And I really hope that that's reassuring for you. If you like statistics, I've linked to some that you can go and have a look at um, because our market is yeah, exploding, absolutely exploding. Another reassuring thing is that people remain reassured and impressed by our qualifications. That hasn't changed. If you're confident enough to talk about your qualification, I can guarantee you at networking meetings, people will still come and talk to you and trust your opinion more than they do that person they saw on TikTok. <laughs> I promise you, it still counts for something. Uh, and I see that reflected back to me absolutely all the time. 
There are also some technological changes that can really enhance our practices and make it easier for us to achieve things that might have seemed impossible to us in 2018. For example, these days, you can get up and running with a website in minutes. I've actually just been doing an experiment with one of the popular website builders out there to see how easy it really is now in 2023 compared to when I built my first website in 2018. And it's night and day. Um, and, and not only that, but the website builders that you can get now that make things really easy, they also perform a lot better than they used to. So I used to really strongly give people the advice that you needed a WordPress site. That was the way to go because that was the only site that was going to give you decent search engine optimization. Now, I still think probably WordPress is likely to get you the best search engine optimization results but you can do pretty damn well now with a Wix or a Squarespace site because they've learned what they're doing and they've got better and better and better. So it, now that gulf between the people that can do tech and the people that can't is much smaller than it was before. Do I think I would have been able to publish a podcast back in 2018? No, I do not. Definitely not. Um, it was really technical. It was really hard. But that barrier to entry has come down so far that I now think anybody who is capable of using a computer and, and has broadband could launch a podcast. The technical aspects have just been removed. Um, so I think we really need to celebrate that and recognise the benefits that that is, is giving us in our current context in 2023. Okay, so we've established there that it is a bit of a mixed bag. Yes, there's some gloomy aspects to the picture in 2023 compared to 2018, but there are also some huge positive points there, which I think shouldn't be underestimated. So on balance, do I think it's still safe to go into private practice in 2023? Yes, I absolutely do. And in some ways, you're going to have an easier time than those of us did who went into private practice in 2018 or previous to that. However, you are going to have to market yourself a bit differently. To be fair, it was kind of true that in 2018, a good directory site profile um, and a few posts on social media would get you clients. That was my experience. I, I won't lie about it. I did find that um, registering with insurance companies, a good directory site profile, and having a really clear Facebook page brought me my first few clients without me having to do very much work. And that really surprised me at the time. I didn't expect it to be that easy, um, but that was the reality of it. And I had invested some time in learning about social media, I think I probably was quite reasonable at it. Um, and the algorithms favoured small businesses at that time. And so it was pushed out to people in my local area. I wanted a local practice and it, it kind of worked. And it was the same for the Psychology Today profiles. There weren't as many clinical psychologists in my postcode area. So I showed up in searches, um, whereas that is a lot more challenging now. Um, so I'm not going to lie and say that I don't think things have, have changed. But I think it is quite niche dependent. So now, for most of us, I think we need to follow the steps I'm going to lay out today in order to create the kind of practices that bring us a stable and steady income. 
However, I have noticed that there are certain niches that haven't suffered in that same way. In particular, people that work with children. With people that work with children, if you have some key relationships in place uh, with people who can refer to you, people that I support in psychology business school through the membership and my coaching clients really haven't seen any downturn of referrals at all uh, because the demand is so horribly high and there are so many people desperately struggling to access CAMS um, in in this country anyway. Um, So I think if that is your client group it's very likely that you will still get full very, very quickly. It's still a good idea to follow the guidance I'm about to give you um, so that you can create the kind of practice you actually want to run and attract the right kind of clients to your practice. But if you're working with children, those referrals are likely to still come thick and fast in, in 2023 without you having to do too much marketing about it. Okay, so what what are the practical recommendations that I would make for getting started in private practice in 2023, specifically for marketing and getting those clients through the door? Well, the first thing is all about differentiation. Make sure it's obvious how you're different from the other offers that are available to people, from EAP programs or from that horrible app that is advertised everywhere that I keep talking about, uh, or text therapy services. You know, communicating what you do that is is different from them is more important than it ever was before. And the way that you do that is by demonstrating your authority. You know, that's talking about your qualifications, your affiliations. It's doing public speaking and then sharing that. It's writing books, it's publishing articles, it's sharing knowledge in longer form content, writing those blogs that really speak about your unique take on a a difficulty that you help your clients with. You know, sharing the stuff that you know, you've derived from your years of experience and education, which might be different to what other people are saying. It might be sharing your unique framework, the way that you usually approach these particular issues with particular clients, and making it really clear how you've developed your way of working over the years of of your experience. That is what is going to give people the ability to trust you, and trust you more than they might trust you know, that app (laughs) that I don't want to name. Um, Because that's the game that we're in now. People are only going to choose us if they have a reason to believe that we are more effective than those cheaper options that are available to them. And we are. Um, So all you've got to do really is is show some evidence of that. Um, We recorded an episode recently on social proof. So listen back to that episode because that is another great way of demonstrating your authority. So listen to the episode that we recorded on authority in marketing and listen to the episode on social proof for more kind of a deep dive into the strategies that can get you both of those um, things working for you. So added to that, specialism is more important than it was before. Again, it's all for the same reason. We we need to give people um, a good reason to choose us rather than those generic and cheaper services that are available to them. And trust me, people will. If you think about your own behavior, 
if you are struggling with a health problem, would you rather pay 50 quid to go and see somebody who says that they can help with everything? Or would you rather pay 150 to go and see somebody who only deals with people like you and spends all day obsessed with the problem that you have? I mean, it's a no brainer. So you need to be that expert. You need to be that person that people will seek out nationally. Uh, Really, really important. I can't emphasize it enough. I got away with being a generalist at the beginning. A lot of people get away with being a generalist at the beginning. Now, I noticed when I reset up my practice earlier this year that everybody that comes to me now comes to me for my specialism. I don't get those general referrals anymore. And that tells me how important specialism is now. Um, So make sure that if you need to do a bit of work on clarifying your specialism, you really spend some time getting your head into that now. Another thing that I think is even more beneficial than it used to be, and I've always recommended it, is collaboration. This gives you the opportunity to share ideas with another professional, and that could be another psychologist or therapist, or it could be somebody from a completely different discipline. It enables us to create packages, services and products that are more unique and that meet the needs of our ideal client groups in a more holistic way. Also, it enables us to share our audiences. So say you've managed to develop an audience of, I don't know, maybe a few hundred people, and then you team up with a local antenatal teacher, as I did, um, and offer some services jointly, and they've maybe got an audience of, you know, a thousand as well. Combined together, you have so much more reach than you did as individuals. So it's really beneficial to collaborate. And that can look like creating new stuff together, or it could look like crossing referrals and to and from each other and having some kind of agreement about that. It's, it's really, really valuable. Relationships in general actually are more important than before. The best referral streams have always been from people who know us. So make sure the people your ideal clients trust know you. Think about the professionals that they go to for different kinds of help and start building meaningful relationships with them. I'll link to the episode I recorded on networking to give you some practical tips for how to do that because I know it brings fear um, for a lot of us. But honestly, it's if, if you only have time to do one thing for your marketing, developing those relationships is the thing. Um, so you can follow all the practical tips uh, in that episode. Uh, and don't fear it, honestly, you're good at relationships. All mental health professionals are good at relationships. Just stop seeing it as selling and start seeing it as developing meaningful uh, co-working relationships. The other thing that I needed to touch on today is that big beast, the social media. (laughs) And I have to say, social media is definitely less useful than it was in 2018. In 2018, I had quite a lot of success, as I've mentioned, from my social media in both my clinical work and then in 2020 when I set up this podcast and started working with other professionals. Social media really worked quite well for me. However, I always track metrics. And again, we've got an episode on that that you can check out. Um, And I noticed that it was becoming less and less effective for the same time investment. So I now focus much more on long form content and I just use social to talk to people that find me through that. So if you're following me on Instagram, for example, it's a very good chance that you first found me through my podcast 
or maybe through some work I was doing with the British Psychological Society or the ACP or um, on my blog, somewhere else, basically. And then, you know, we're having discussions and connecting more on social media rather than the other way around. Whereas it used to usually be about finding people on social media. Now I see it, for me, as more of a useful relationship building tool. But that's not to say that there aren't psychologists and therapists doing really well on social. And if it floats your boat, and if you feel like you can really shine and say something original in that format, then go for it. You you can still develop a social media strategy that can do really, really well for you. Uh, But it has to be that. It has to be a strategy that logically takes people to the right kind of product. Um, And I do mean a product. I think social media marketing is not likely now to be effective for growing a therapy practice. What it could be effective for doing though is growing an audience for an online course, um, growing an audience for a podcast, or developing some kind of movement around something if that's something that you're interested in doing. Um, So don't dismiss social media, but think carefully about how you use it, how much time you invest in it, and also track those metrics to make sure that you're not wasting your time or wasting your money doing an activity which would have worked in 2018, but may not work now in 2023. Okay, so... There we've done a little bit of context setting, talking about the reality, as I see it anyway, of uh, the economic and the industry situation for people coming into private practice now and how that might be different from 2018. And I've given you some practical stuff to go away and work on. If you're one of those people starting out in private practice now and you're feeling a bit intimidated by it, or if you've been in private practice for a bit longer and you're just feeling like what you were doing isn't working so well anymore and you want to shake things up a bit. Obviously, I would be remiss if I didn't remind you that I do run Psychology Business School, um, which has everything you need uh, to get up and running in private practice and also to support you as you grow your private practice. So if you're feeling like you'd love more support with growing a practice, please do come and check us out at psychologybusinessschool.com because I'm pretty sure we've got something to help you over there. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate it. And please do review and share this episode so that we can reach as many people as possible with the podcast. It really means a lot to me and I read every single review that we get. Um, So if you'd like to give me a little bit of a warm, fuzzy feeling, I'd very much appreciate it. Um, So please do leave me a review. All right, take care, everybody, and I'll see you next week. Are you just starting out in private practice? Feeling overwhelmed by all the stuff there is to do by any chance? Paralysed by perfectionism or procrastination? Never fear, Psychology Business School has got your back and the good news is there's actually not that much you need to do to run your practice safely and effectively. Download our free checklist today to find out exactly what really matters. Tick off every box and you can see your first clients with confidence that you've done everything important. Get your free copy at psychologybusinessschool.com forward slash checklist. Thank you so much for listening to the Business of Psychology podcast. 
I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to subscribe, rate and review the show. It helps more mental health professionals just like you to find us and it also means a lot to me personally when I read the reviews. Thank you in advance and we'll see you next week for another episode of Practical Strategy and Inspiration to move your independent practice forwards.